we join you on the fan on this uh, Monday night as we head into March. And you know what? Uh, March obviously has a lot to look forward to. It all doesn't happen this early in the month, though. It hasn't been a crazy day today, but there's still plenty to look forward to. You've got selection show right around the corner. Opening day will be this month, too, and then everything else that comes behind it. Uh, you know, this is where, you know, you just shake your head a little bit. I don't. I don't have. I you know. I don't care where the Knicks take pictures, and I don't care how many you know old jerseys they throw in the photos or anything else to try to tell you that this is going to be like, the, you know, the halcyon days of uh, Red Holtzman and the Minutemen. Okay, but when you see the statements that are made, you just shake your head. You know, uh, Dolan's statement about Leon Rose. I mean, you wel- we welcome. Leon to the New York Knicks as team president. He's the right leader to build a winning organization. Okay. No, that's why you hired him. Okay. But is one of the most respected executives in professional basketball. The guy's an agent. This guy hasn't built any teams. This guy doesn't have a, a, you know, any, any championships that he's part of. All right, he was LeBron James' agent. That's basically it. Case closed. He's also J.R. Smith's agent among many, many other players. But the point is he was with LeBron James. That's it. That was what catapulted him to his position. Good for him. Give him credit. Okay? He was smart enough to be able to work his way in to representing and be aligned with the guy who has been the most powerful force in basketball in this generation. If you could get close, you know, listen, if you were in the golf business and you got close enough to be next to Tiger Woods, you know what? You were a player. So Leon was close. It was, was smart enough and had his whatever skills he was able to utilize to get himself in position that he was with LeBron James, which meant when the league allowed the players to take over the league, which they did, which they did when they all showed up on that. Now, listen, LeBron's way he exited and entered cost him a year nationally. He had to basically apologize for a year for how he did it. It was done with such a heavy hand and so terrible that it actually was the worst thing that could have possibly happened. Because when you're going to make those kind of moves, you just want to make them in a way where you're not going to drive everybody crazy. And with the way that was handled was so bad that people couldn't stand LeBron James. That's not the case anymore. LeBron James has won himself back into people's you know, consciousness and, and hearts in a lot of ways because they've watched what he's done on the court. Okay? I mean, listen. Here's the guy in a league where the player dominates above all else. In certain leagues, there are power sources. In the NBA, the power source resides with the players. That's it. The player dominates. Michael did it to a lesser extent, but in a subtly, more subtle way, but in a powerful way, Magic and Bird always did it. Michael did it. The player dominates, and LeBron has done it to the umpteenth degree. They have dominated. Okay, so now the problem is, if you want to be critical of this, what you're saying is the thing that catapulted Leon, to all his success, is not here. It was his relationship with the best player in the world. 
give him credit for getting it, give him credit for managing it, the whole thing, and what he put together after it, no problem with it. I don't even have a problem with an agent taking over the team. But don't tell me about his resume. He doesn't have one. So to stress that, Leon is one of the most respected executives in professional basketball with decades of experience. Huh? He's an agent. This guy didn't build the Spurs over the last 20 years. This guy didn't build the Golden State Warriors. This guy didn't build a championship team. What he did was he was there as LeBron put together that whole Miami deal. That was it. He and Wade and Wade and one of those guys put together that deal, won a couple of titles. They were together four years. They won two titles in the four years. Then LeBron went back to Cleveland, and that's where he got, when he went back to Cleveland, that's when he got back in people's good graces. And then when he was able to bring Cleveland a title, that's when he was catapulted to a level that he now lives at. That's what did it. It wasn't Miami. It wasn't going to Miami, which was a nightmare. It wasn't in Miami, where early on wasn't great. It wasn't even the championships in Miami. It was going home and then taking that bunch and winning. And then even the way he battled in defeat that gained people's respect and changed the way they thought of him. And not everybody's there, but a lot of people are in these older days now, and, and we'll see how the, what this year brings. But, hey, don't unroll the dice. We'll see. He's banking on not the fact that this guy is anyone who's going to put together this great scouting machine, or put together this incredible, and I, and I hope he hires the right coach. I mean, listen, I hope he hires Jeff Van Gundy. I think Jeff would take the job. I know Dolan has no problem with hiring Jeff. I would like to see that happen. I think Jeff's got one more run on him. If it's not, I can think of a list of guys, but I want a proven, if I'm the Knicks, I want a proven. And listen, I am not saying that this guy hasn't done an okay job trying to fight with the Knicks. He has. But you got to figure they're going to go get a big name. And you hope they do. And somebody that gives them some gravitas. And somebody that gives them something that they can build around. Okay? And then they got to go get players. That's what it comes down to. But the oversell of this already, you know, lining up behind a bunch of jerseys that you have no relationship to, I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. There's no relationship to those jerseys. Those jerseys are a long time ago. And the fact that there's more than a couple of jerseys there, okay, I understand. But you know, the ones you always see, the ones you notice, and everyone notices Dick McGuire because of what he was. But you know, you notice ten, you notice twelve, you notice fifteen, you notice nineteen, you notice twenty-two, and you notice twenty-four. And you don't take anything away from what 33 did. I know we didn't win a championship, but they never got him that player. You know, and Dave Checkett said to me, once I was sitting with Dave and I said, Dave, all these years here, what's your, do you have one regret? I thought he might say, you know what, I could have patched it up with Riles. I maybe could have handled it a little differently. He said, 
I really regret that I never got Patrick that second player. And let's be honest, they got him okay guys. They never got him the guy. That guy that could have made the difference and made Patrick A. And listen, they should have won game six. I'm telling you, I've said it a million times to you, that if Oak, and Oak we know is now remembered for something far different, but what I'll remember Oak for is, and Oak was a really solid player, a tough guy too, but I remember him grabbing that rebound and being such in a rush, thrown at the length of the floor and out of bounds with a one-point lead. And if he had just taken that ball down and given it to the guard, I, I really think they would have won the game. And I never forget that, you know, because everyone looks to different things in that game, and I look to that. And then that game six, and the other thing I think about in that series and it never leaves me because, you know, I always think about what would have happened if they, how everything would have been different if they had won that championship against the Rockets. Different for Ewing, different for Riley, different for Ewing. Game three, Sam Cassell. Remember, they win game four, win game five. Game three. Well, Houston never even gets back to Houston, and that's a five-game final. Game three, Sam Cassell, uh, and he was a tough little son of a gun. You know, I always think of Sam Cassell always being one of those guys who, you know, when you needed a shot, Hardaway the same way. But Cassell just was a pain in the neck, really a pain in the neck. And that series, if you remember, nobody could put the ball in the basket. On either side. You go look at the shooting percentages in that series. They were dreadful. They were absolutely. The bigs were dreadful. You know, all the way down the line. They were dreadful. It was tough to score. It was tough to score in the league at that time because the defenses were really tough. Not like now. I mean, they used to beat each other up. Really beat each other up. But it was fun basketball. It really was. But I think back to that and how things would have changed. How one championship how one ball bounced in the right way in the right game, whether it was game three or game six, winning that title, what it would have meant to Ewing, what it would have meant to the front office, what it would have meant to the franchise, what it would have meant to Riley, what it would have meant to Chekhov. You know, you, you think about all that. But it's been a long time. And, you know, that team that we always think about with the Knicks, that won two championships playing whether it was playing the Celtics or playing the Great Bullets or playing the Celtics or playing the Lakers in those days in all those classic series. That cerebral, tough team that, you know, did it in different ways. You know, with the Minutemen and obviously with Fraser's prowess and what Reed's guts and what the Brusher brought. Bradley's game. I mean, they're just all the different things. I mean, Kazi off the bench. I mean, go down the line. Or what they got from the second group, whether, you know, for the second title, you know, and the changes they made there and what Lucas brought as an example and all the different guys. Uh, you know, you, you think about those days and you realize that they're now so, I mean, they're 50 years ago. Hard to fathom for the Jets I was thinking about that watching that Larry David thing last night. You know, Larry David, I'm sure you saw it, or a lot of you saw it last night, where Jets were a major reference point in in the uh, saga. It's been 50 years. 
50 long years. And for the Knicks, as they start again, and start again with the promise of what they're going to bring and what's going to change and how this is going to be it and how it's a critical time, a critical time. Okay. A critical time for the Knicks. There have been a lot of critical times. None of them have worked out. We'll see what this is. We'll see what this brings. They've tried it a lot of different ways. They tried it the right way, the wrong way, and everything in between. Now let's see if it works this way. I'm not saying it won't because you never know. But, you know, you're putting it in a very different way. And you're now saying, hey, it's about players, so let me go get the guy who is connected to the players and see if we can build it this way. We haven't been able to build it any other way. Back after this. All right, we're back on this uh, second day of March. Uh, Super Tuesday tomorrow if you are into the uh, politics of the nation right now. So a pivotal day there. And uh, as we will see what will set up for November, a big part of that will uh, come into play tomorrow after we hear from uh, states far and wide across the uh, nation, including uh, – the craziness of California. So all that comes into play tomorrow and uh, we'll learn a little bit more about what's going on. You already had a couple of people uh, jump out of the race. Mayor Pete's gone. Klobuchar's gone. So then there were four. Stirrer was gone if you considered him in for a second. I might squeeze a couple of calls in so we'll, if you want, jump aboard right now if you haven't already. We'll maybe squeeze a couple of calls in before we say goodbye this evening. Uh, we will try to do that. Um, we got a couple of weeks. You know, you're a week away you know, a week left after St. John's win yesterday. Give St. John's credit for that. What a shooting performance. I can't think of a day they shot the ball any better than they did against Creighton. And Creighton came in playing great. I mean, they really came in playing uh, as good a ball, probably better ball than anybody in the Big East. They had been red hot. They're a team that can shoot. Their bigs can shoot. Everybody can shoot. They couldn't put the ball in the ocean yesterday. And St. John's comes up with a game like that, 14-22 from three. And if St. John's going to shoot like that, they're going to beat anybody. Okay, I mean, because you know that you know what you know they're going to turn people over. You know they can be athletic. You know what they can do. They have trouble shooting the ball. They have trouble scoring, especially from the perimeter. And they go up with a great performance yesterday, and that shows you this league from top to bottom. I mean, it just shows you, you know, where this league is, top to bottom, as wide open as a league could be. You know that. Now, do I think that St. Joe's could run the table and you know win the conference tournament next week? Not easy because, you know, anybody can win any one of these games. So to, 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 win, to win anyone, you know, to be able to, to run the table and win all of them, not have any margin of error is very hard because there's not an easy game in a group. Really, there is not an easy ge- There really is not an easy game in the league, which is, you know, when you look at some of the results. I mean, look at the way Providence played Nova this week as an example. Right? I mean, there, there's not an easy game. DePaul's dangerous. Uh, Georgetown's dangerous. Then you get into the Xavier's and the Butler's of the world and what they bring to the dance. So, I mean, any way you look at it, it is just a league top to bottom that is as balanced, really as balanced as any league could be. I don't think there's a great team in the league. Uh, you know, I don't think this is a – I don't think it's a vintage – don't think it's a vintage uh, Nova team. I can see on their best day, 
that Seton Hall is, uh, can be the best team in the league. I can see that. But you know what? Not automatically. And not every day. And they need, obviously, you know, uh, to make sure that their big scorers are good, you know, that, that they get the kind of guard play that they expect. And maybe even, you know, he's been a little upset with some of his guys and maybe have to whittle that rotation down. One of the big problems for Villanova is they just don't get the guard play you're used to seeing them get. Gillespie's been on a bad leg. He has shot terribly the last four or five games. And frankly, if Bay doesn't just light it up, I, they're just not great. I mean, listen, they could have a very short stay this year. Now, if they're on their game, you know they can be dangerous. But, I mean, Providence, you know, they shoot 5 for 30 and lose the Providence game. And not only that, they're a 77% free throw shooting team that went 2 for 9 in the first half on the foul line. Uh, let me squeeze a couple of calls in here as before we say goodbye. Tom in Oakdale, what's up, Tom? Mike, how you doing? Good, real quick. What's um, happening? Sure, no, yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, I heard John Heyman talking uh, last week about you know a Mets sale possibly happening sooner rather than later. I hear okay. Dolan's name being Dolan will not there. buy the baseball team. I could tell you that right now. Okay. He doesn't. He doesn't want it. He does not want. Well, he wants the. News. He wants the network. He desperately. Okay, yeah. He desperately wants SNY. Dolan told me a couple of years ago that he would never buy a baseball team because he did not want his summers tied up with baseball, that he feels as an owner he needs to go to the games, and he doesn't want to watch his team play in the summer. He wants to travel, he, so he doesn't want to ever own a baseball team, but he wants the network desperately. Okay, fair so enough. So I would be shocked. Movie. I will be shocked if Dolan buys the baseball team. Absolutely stunned. Have, have you heard any other rumblings of who potentially could, if Cohen's coming back in? I hear like Cohen's that? not. I've heard Cohen wasn't out. I told everyone that. I don't have any other names for you. I have not heard any name. I told you the A-Rod thing wasn't real, okay? Uh, he doesn't have enough money. I mean, he needs to bring in a – you've got to have a billionaire in a deal, okay? Uh, I don't have any name for you. I just would be – I know I heard the Dolan rumors. I don't believe them for a second. He wants the network in the worst way. He wants to put a baseball network. He wants baseball on MSG Network. So he wants SNY or Yes. I don't know if he could get his hands on Yes now. I think he would buy the network in two seconds. I don't think – I know he – listen, he told me that uh, two or three years ago when we were still talking, whenever it was, he told me I will never buy a baseball team because I don't want to be locked up in the summertime going to games. So uh, unless that's dramatically changed, and I don't think it is, I don't think he buys the team. But I do know he wants the network in the worst way. So I don't have a name for you. I'll try to find one, but I don't have one. But I wouldn't think Cohn was out of it. Ryan in Bronxville, what's up, Ryan? Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. I really appreciate you talking about Knicks basketball. I want to say that Charles Smith was found three times about 28 years ago. <laughs> and I, I think that changes the landscape of basketball. Well, you know what? That, that, listen, that, listen. Charles, Charles, Charles was soft in that play. I'm sorry. Okay? Oh, Come on, oh, no. listen. Go, oh, yes, we I was. I was. We win that championship. Uh, no, no. Listen, listen, listen. You got. You know what? There were too many opportunities. Forget beating the Bulls. You're going back to ancient history. Go back oh. to the Houston series and Game Three and Game Six. 
they should win both games, and they don't. They never. They never should have gone back. The league, though, I want Jordan in the league to win the championship, and we win that series. Nah, nah. Yeah, listen, yeah, yeah, no, fight. you can't. You can't. Thanks for the call. You can't bring it back to Charles Smith getting blocked on uh, you know three straight times. That being the difference in the whole series. That's not fair. That is a great Nick team, though. That was their best team. Uh, this is Timmy. Is it Timmy in Seaford? I can't read his writing. Is it Timmy? Uh, I don't, Mike. Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Go ahead, Tim- Jimmy. What's up? I don't, Mike. Good. Just time hour, brother. Uh, quick two things for you before uh, you know you head off. Go ahead, uh, really, go ahead. How do you feel about the Yankees and Mets possibly coming to uh, an agreement with uh, Stephen Mets, and uh, also, you know, the Yankees pretty much the whole outfield is so. Oh, uh, that's fine. And you, you were going to wait around. Thanks for the call until you said something stupid. I knew that. Um, as far as. Mats, Mets shouldn't give up on Mats. You know what? You can't have too many starting pitches. If Mats has to battle for a spot in a rotation, good. Let him battle. If Mats has to spend some time coming out of the bullpen, fine. Let him come out of the bullpen. You need to have seven starting pitchers. Now, I understand they can use other guys in starting role if they want to, especially Lugo. But you know what? You need a Mats on the team. The Yanks will have guys. You know what? Montgomery can be fine for them. Loisega could be fine for them. Armand's going to come back at some point. Paxton's going to come back at some point. Garcia might be ready to pitch some in the major leagues this year. And they can find journeymen who can give them four or five innings a night and get them into that bullpen and beat nine teams out of ten in the regular season. Where you're going to miss Severino is in the postseason, where you need a quality pitcher going to the mound to win a championship every night. That's where you'll miss him. You won't miss him playing the Tigers. You won't miss him playing the uh, Orioles or playing really all but about two or three teams. You won't miss him any of those nights. The Yankees are going to win those games. They're going to win them in the bullpen. They're going to win them with their lineup. They're going to score plenty of runs. So from that standpoint, that won't ever be an issue. Uh, where you're going to miss a guy like Severino is clearly you are going to miss him in the big series, at the end of a big series, or in a big series where you need a starting pitcher or you need a star pitcher, that's where you're going to miss him uh, in a big way. But I don't think it will affect the regular season at all. They have plenty of guys who can go out there and give them five innings. They can use the opener when they have to. They can do that. They've proven they can do that. The bullpen's very deep. The lineup's even deeper than that, so that won't be an issue at all. Uh, Casamigos Tequila, as always, brings you the program brought to you by those who drink it. Remember, try to represent on the rocks. You won't be sorry that you did. But any of the Casamigos uh, Tequila products are worthy of uh, your uh, perusal because they have nothing but great products, and we thank them for their patronage. We will see you tomorrow. Enjoy your Monday night, everybody.